Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is sponsored by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings in Amarillo. You know Lazy Boy as a national brand, but some of its stores are independently owned and operated, and that includes the one here in Amarillo. It's owned and operated by the Hawkins family. And Lazy Boy offers customizable furniture so you can design a look that fits you with special financing and with products to fit every budget. Almost everything they sell is American-made, and it's a lot more than just the recliners you think of when you think of the name Lazy Boy. So visit Amarillo's locally owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings today at 3636 Sauncy. Today's guest is Robin Bilson. Robin may not be someone you recognize, but I imagine you're familiar with her work. She's the graphic designer behind the branding of companies like Pete's Greenhouse, organizations like Solidarity Isn't Silent, and a lot more. But her path into graphic design and marketing was a weird one because it started with women's fashion and a boutique she owned and operated for a few years. And so hers is a story that's about entrepreneurship, about local fashion, about the challenges of retailing, and the importance of brand identity. It's a weird journey, uh, but we cover that journey and a lot more interesting territory in this episode. So here's Robin Bilson. Robin Bilson, welcome to the Hamrella Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So I, I know that we have a lot of things to talk about. Um, I, I'm excited to hear from you, but I want to start the same way that I start with every guest, and that's to just ask, why are you here? How did you end up here in this area? Okay. So I grew up in Canyon, and okay. then my family moved to Austin when I was in junior high, and I finished my education, went to college there, and then I moved back here after I met my husband. So I came to Amarillo in 2012 is when I came back. Okay, so you returned here as as a grown-up, I yes. guess. Uh-huh. Married already? And... We were engaged okay. when I moved back. And I had been in school at Texas State in San Marcos, and okay. I had been coming here to visit him. And part of my degree was fashion merchandising. I was working in retail at the time and working for Michael Kors. And so every time I'd come visit, I'd go shopping And I wasn't very happy with the shopping landscape at the time. And I kept thinking, I should open a store. I should do it. Yes. And so um, after we got engaged, I started doing research and planning and kind of just analyzing everything. And I decided to move here and open a store. So it was called Semblance. We opened in Wolfland Square in 2012 when I moved here. And we were there for two years. And then we moved out to Town Square. Okay. Um, And during that time, I felt like we were very innovative, and I brought a lot of lines that were not here. I did a lot of, you know, trying to just do different. And it was received really well, and we had a really good clientele. I also had a lot of fun doing it, too. But I did all of our website, social media, and during that time, clients would ask me that were shopping, hey, who does that? Who'd you hire to do that? And I would always say, oh, I did it. And eventually that turned into, well, could you do mine? Could you do this for me? And at first I was like, "Eh, I'm really busy with the store. But then that turned into, okay, sure, I'll do that for you. So I just started taking clients. And then once the store went out to Town Square, we were there for about two years. And we got to do, um, my husband helped me with the build out of that store. And we really 
just dived in and put all of our heart into that store. So the finish out was exactly what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was my dream. And we were there for two years and business was a lot slower than what I had planned for it to be. And my design side started picking up. Okay. And so we just, I was pregnant with my second child and we just kind of, my husband and I just looked at each other one day and we're like, oh, this is hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really hard. Um, I was at the store all the time and I had a daughter that I would take to the store with me, which was in theory, I thought that was a really great idea. But in reality, it was so hard having a little baby running around the store while trying to help customers shop. So we made a really hard decision to close the store. Okay. And once we closed the store, my graphic design business just took off. And it happened within a week of announcing that I was closing the store. So what I year was that of, that you closed the store then? It was 2018. Okay. Yes. Now, so I have a lot of questions based on that real that quick summary. Quick story. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to I move back because I, I think there's a lot of interesting things here to yes. begin. So let's go back to... Moving away from Canyon mm-hmm. when you were in middle school to Austin. Culture shock. Yeah. So that's a big change. It's Absolutely. a big change based on how old you are. It's a big change going from Canyon to Austin. I mean, those are different yes. different places. So tell me a little bit about that. I loved it. Did you? Yes. We. I grew up on a farm outside of Canyon, and we moved into a neighborhood, and I learned what it was like to have neighbors and get to like walk outside and play with people. And we just, and there were just so many cultures and I just kind of like dove in and loved it. And okay. I feel like I really excelled there. I loved Austin and I loved all the things that there were to do there. The climate, kind of the culture of Austin. Mm-hmm. It just, I feel like it was a seamless transition for me. I remember my parents being really nervous about it. And then it just worked out really well. <laughs> and so what was it like then beyond coming back to Amarillo and thinking, oh, there's not a real good place for, for the fashion that you were interested in. But mm-hmm. tell me about returning to the place you grew up, having lived in Austin, mm-hmm. um, having gone from a, you know, a teenager to an adult. I mean, that's a change in perspective also. So tell me what that was like. You know, it was really another like seamless transition. I feel like I got to have, when I opened my store, it was almost like my little piece of Austin right here at home. And then the people I met, we I just feel like I formed a lot of really good relationships with our customers when we had semblance. And so it kind of, I met a lot, you know, growing up in Canyon, I didn't know a lot of people from Amarillo. Okay. And so it was, I barely ever crossed paths with anybody that I grew up with. And so I feel like I had to reestablish my own little community here. I didn't have any like long-term friends that were still here that I could reach out to and hang out with. And so the city was incredibly like welcoming and inclusive and we really just kind of like, you know, made our way here and it was all good. A lot of Canyon people I've found tend to identify as kind of part of Amarillo, but mm-hmm. then there's a there's there's some Canyon folks like you said that they just stay in Canyon yeah. and don't really go. I mean, do you have any idea what what causes either one of those mindsets? I mean, did did, did you have much of a perspective on Amarillo when you were No, a I just think it was like the community. Okay. Like you just kind of stay in your little community circle. And you grew I was, up, I guess, in a more rural area, yes, right? Definitely. So not necessarily in the city proper. Uh-huh. And I feel like now as adults, you know, they do we have kind of merged. You've had several people on your podcast that I grew up with okay. in Canyon. So I was looking back at that the other day and I was like, Oh, she was here, she was here. Um so I feel like as adults they kind of have merged. But I think growing up, you know, you're in your school and you kind of just 
spend a lot of time with the people in your school. Okay, so I'm interested in you starting the business once you got here, mm-hmm. uh, the, the clothing business. Yes. Because I know that, that women's clothing, especially boutiques, are there's a lot of competition right mm-hmm. now. I imagine there was still quite a lot of competition when you started. Yes. How did you navigate that, like coming in and saying, there's this part of the market that's not quite being met, I see this need, but at the time, there were still a lot of fashion boutiques. There were. Um, what I found is a lot of them, they were all, I don't want to say they were all doing the same thing, but they were all kind of, and I guess because they were smart, and that's why they're still open and I closed, <laughs> um, they were kind of selling similar things, and okay. I wanted to sell something different. I, at the time, this was in 2012, so a lot of them did not have Instagram accounts, right. websites. Really early. Mm-hmm. And that. that was part of my, as I was graduating from college, that was part of my capstone project that I wrote. And I ended up doing um, this analysis on branding for small businesses in Amarillo and kind okay. of like studied each of the different stores here and what they were doing and weren't doing. And I just wanted to do something completely different. And then the the other thing I, I want to ask about is that move that you made to Town Square. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you think that impacted, you know, the success of your business? Because that that that's something that a lot of boutiques kind of think about. Mm-hmm. Would would we do better in you know the Wolfland area, kind of in the center of town? Would we do better out on the southwest side? Are there more customers there? And, and how they gauge that yes. here in Amarillo? You know, like we loved moving out there and I love that concept. I just think we were a little early. Okay. And I always, like my husband and I always thought if we could just hang on for like five more years. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But we just financially couldn't hold on that long. And um, the customers out there were really great too. And my Wolfland clients would drive across town, which is something people (laughs) would tell me would never happen. And they would. But we also, I would do... Delivery. I would leave stuff on people's front doors if they needed, if they couldn't get out there. Um, we had a really big presence on Instagram. And so it really worked for me. Like, I think we could have been anywhere, but I just love that concept of Town Square. And I can't wait to see like where it's going to be. In okay. The so we're, we're like two and a half, three years past that now has it has it arrived yet do you think it's still i think they're still getting there okay but they're getting some really cool stuff out there yeah so it's gonna happen okay (laughs) all right so your path to becoming a graphic designer Mm -hmm. uh, is a really interesting one self-taught yes self-taught and and i'd say that you may not know this about me but that's how i got my start too okay Uh, was as a graphic designer out of journalism Mm -hmm. because i had to teach myself Illustrator and Photoshop and Quark Express, you know, in order to lay out magazines. Yes. Uh, and so that's kind of how I found my way into it. You found your way into it through fashion and branding for your own shop. Yes. So tell me about maybe the the way you think about making that wholesale career shift. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, there are some things that are related, but it's a very different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. It um, is. And you know, looking back at that, uh, obviously you've been successful, but but how did you sort of you know find your way through that? It's very weird going from selling a product to selling a service mm-hmm. and like and navigating that. But I really think I think I was successful just from word of mouth and people like I just have such a good community in Amarillo, and so it was easy for me to kind of make the change and then just taking the time to learn. 
there's so many like resources available for people. And mm-hmm. I think um, I'm always kicking myself. I'm like, man, I wish I could have gone to school for this. I wish I would have known when I was in school that this was where I would end up. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of resources online that you can find to learn. And then people are just very, um, there's a community and people, mm-hmm. you just have to ask and people will help you, which is really nice now with social media. You can start following other designers and you can send them a DM and say, do you mind like sharing with me how you did this? Right. I'm learning. And people are always willing to help. I, I wonder about, you know, your business model, you know, just with people thinking about providing services like you do. Um, if it's a one-time develop a logo for a company and that's it, or if you try to build like these ongoing relationships where you're not just doing a single job, but you're you're becoming the graphic designer for mm-hmm. a company, you know, yes. that, that's outsourcing everything to you. I do both. Okay. There are some where it's just one time, and but that's very rare. I do try to set my clients up for success and being a small, like from having semblance, I completely understand how to navigate small budgets. Okay. Um, that not everybody has the money to invest monthly to hire things out. So I do things where I teach them how to use Canva and they okay. can create their own graphics and they don't have to hire me if they need to do a newsletter or run a social media story. But then I'm also available if they do have the budget to hire me. It's their choice on what they want to spend that month. Um, I really like to provide tools to small business owners to succeed without me, and then I'm here if they need me. I have some clients that I work with all the time, and I'm constantly talking to them. And then I have some that have kind of now gone off to do their own thing, and they're still using templates and graphics that I created for them. And that's a unique element of Mm -hmm. what you do because of the times that we live in, Mm -hmm. is that it's easier than ever for people who are not graphic designers to do a little bit of graphic design yes. and make it look decent mm-hmm. because there's a lot of tools. You know, it used to be yes. 15 years ago, you could use some free clip art, but mm-hmm. that obviously did not look good. You yes. know? Um, and so, yeah, how, what's that like trying to sell your services right? as a professional to people <laughs> who are like, well, I can just use Canva and it's free? Right. It's almost like it's a mix. I, I get a mix of feelings because partially you want stuff to look really beautiful yeah. and you can still, you almost need a designer eye, but I do understand that people don't have the budget to always spend to hire something out. But I think it's really great for small businesses to have access to Canva. And then I just hope that they hire me when they need to redo their website. <laughs> and that's something that they can't do. But I like giving people the tools to be able to do things on their own if that's what they're more comfortable with. I understand being a small business owner and not having, you know, a huge budget to work on things, especially when you're just getting started. I do think it's super important for business owners to take the time to understand what they're good at and what they're not good at Mm -hmm. and spend their time, you know, they'll end up saving more money if they hire out. Yeah, if, if you don't know how to mm-hmm. use something and you're spending hours and hours to develop yes. a logo, mm-hmm. it's more yes. efficient, more <laughs> totally. cost-effective to hire somebody who's Absolutely, quick. and just the return on your investment is always much better if you're not spending your personal time just mm-hmm. wasted trying to create a social media story when you could hire it out and have it finished really quickly. So I, I, I know that uh, probably as a designer, as somebody who does social media, you kind of take a background role in a lot of your client's stuff. But 
If there are certain clients or certain places maybe that listeners might have seen your work, do you want to do you want to list any of those? Sure. Um, I do all the social media and graphic and marketing for Pete's Greenhouse. Okay. They are one of the clients I will say that I work with consistently. And we get to have a lot of fun because they're doing events and workshops and it's they always give me creative control. And I've been working with them for about two years. And they have and a very nice, clean, like you mm-hmm. can tell, take one greenhouse, compare it to another greenhouse. Uh-huh. You can tell the ones that have a designer behind it, yes. you know, and so that's, <laughs> that's obvious. Yes. And they're just, um, they're actually under new ownership and mm-hmm. it's just been really fun to work with them. So Pete's Greenhouse would be one. I work a lot with um, Mosaic Beauty Studios, mm-hmm. and she's a salon that's kind of this new concept in town. She is a client of mine that also does a lot of stuff on her own. And so it's really fun to see her like take the reins on their things and design what they're comfortable with. And they have a lot of fun on their Instagram, too, doing things like that. But I do her website. And then... Just, I would say, listeners to your podcast, um, I've done the Solidarity Isn't Silent website. We did that last summer, last spring. Those are probably the ones I can think of right now at the okay. top of yeah, my head. That's yes. great. That's, that's, a, that's a good list. And I uh-huh. imagine it's something that people have encountered you know, mm-hmm. out in the wild. I, I wonder if if you could talk a little bit about, as somebody who who thinks about the city, thinks about small business, and thinks about design, you know, every designer driving down the street, sees signage and thinks, oh man, that's <sighs> terrible. I wish I wish they had hired a professional to do yes. that. <laughs> uh, if, if you had any thoughts about maybe where Amarillo is, you know, you used to think about where Amarillo is in terms of fashion. Now, where is Amarillo in terms of just design, um, marketing aspect, mm-hmm. and, and some of the state of how small businesses are, are doing that kind of thing? It's getting better. I think it's getting a lot better than it used to. And I think that's probably with, you know, access to programs where people can start making their own stuff. Um, and I think, you know, when the city redid their logo, it kind of yeah, that was a, that was yeah. a big disaster. Big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it was. It had to get fixed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it kind of like invigorated this like branding element to the city. And I think, I mean, I do still, you're right. I drive down the street and I'll be like, oh, I wish we could have. I wish they could have hired that out. There's a branding concept that you see in larger cities where businesses go all in. And I wish we could do that more here. And when I say that, I mean, when you look at restaurants, the way their website looks is completely reflective of the decor in the store. Right. So like they might have pillows inside the restaurant and that pattern is on the footer of their website. Yeah. It's like comprehensive. Yes. And there are, when I see new restaurants open in town, I'm always like, Oh, I wish they would have done a full, full branding experience for people. It's on the menu and it's just, it's all tied together. And so I do, but I think we're getting better. I'm seeing it more and I think it's not as bad as it used to be. And and that may be a difference in a smaller community versus a place like Austin, mm-hmm. difference in how businesses think about their budget going Absolutely. forward. You know, you have to plan for extensive branding and marketing mm-hmm. because if you don't set aside that money, you're just going to find reasons not to do that. Totally. Oh, we can just buy a regular pillow. You yes. Know? <laughs> it almost needs to be a line item in some in your opening budget that's right there along with your decor budget or your interior design budget. And it's hard to fit that in. I totally get it. It's hard for people to find, you know, that to move money into that line item. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I want to talk about uh, your experience as a business owner, especially since you have owned now two different businesses. 
Um, you're a young mom. You mm-hmm. are uh, an entrepreneur. Like, tell me about some of the challenges in in finding success in a place mm-hmm. like Amarillo and balancing all those things. Okay. Um, tell me, tell me how you deal with that. Some of the challenges we had both more in semblance. That was my the name of my clothing store, and here with Hatch Studio have been kind of this idea of community over competition. Okay. When I had Semblance, I did this small group called, it's a national organization called The Rising Tide, and I coordinated it here in Amarillo so that me and fellow small business owners could meet, brainstorm, work together, and work smarter versus us really competing um, and not growing. Okay. Is there a certain um, like category of small businesses or? we? When I had Semblance, I kind of kept that with um, retail stores. Okay. And so um, working so we weren't all bringing in the same lines and bringing in the same thing so that we could start differentiating our businesses and being unique. And that was a struggle for me with the store is kind of everybody just kind of doing the same thing. And it made me think that we're not gonna, none of us are going to grow if we're all doing the exact same thing. Right. We're not going to provide anything extra for our community or anything special if every store carries the same candle. Yeah, line. like there's strength and diversity. Absolutely. And, and that has been my biggest challenge okay. in Amarillo. <laughs> you pinned it right there. Well, yeah. So, so let's talk about that because <laughs> one of the conversations that I've I've always thought about. I talked to Kristen Babbitt, the owner of Dotsies, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and we talked about the Amarillo fashion style and, you know, and how she has been places and people were surprised that she was elegant and dressed well and Mm -hmm. from Amarillo. Yes. Uh, And how she's kind of been pushing against that while trying to also meet the needs of the customers here. I Mm -hmm. wonder, you know, as as someone you've, you've dealt with that, obviously, can you talk a little bit about that? Kristen has done a really good job of Dotsies and balancing that. And she, is one of the business owners I know that is complete, very supportive of other business owners and still does her own thing. And I think that's why she's been so successful. But it's definitely just, I think coming from Austin where there are so many different stores that all do something different, it's a challenge when you come here. And I think we all want new stuff. Mm-hmm. We all, you know, you can read any like Facebook comment thread on a local news organization asking for all these new stores to come in. And I think if they're not going to come, it's our job as business owners here in town to create new and to kind of bring our own little versions of these national stores that we all want. But it's definitely a struggle for business owners. And I think the city um, as a, as a whole, our community of customers were incredibly supportive and they love to support small business but my personal experience as a business owner is was that the other business owners in the same arena as me were not as supportive in okay. in that essence and that was kind of the thing i struggled with a lot at semblance was just trying to diversify and keep doing something different I, this may be a similar answer whether you're talking about fashion or you're talking about graphic design mm-hmm. is how receptive our locals, whether they they were shoppers at Semblance or your your clients as a designer, how receptive are they to being stretched a little bit? To say, I know that you want this Amarillo thing, but let's mm-hmm. think larger. Let's think about how somebody in Austin might think about it. You yes. know, because that that is necessary. I mean, that's part of the reason that people hire you uh-huh. is not necessarily to do what they think they want, right. but to go above that and say, 
here's what you really need to think. Yes. I feel like I've been pretty fortunate where the people that I've interacted with have been probably like 70% receptive okay. <laughs> where they are willing. Cause that is why they come to me. Um, and I think I've been fortunate in that sense where people are like, okay, let's try it. You have control. Let's do this. <laughs> and is, is that, is that because you end up with the right kinds of clients? I think so. That, that they know coming to you that you're not going to just be kind of small-minded in your mm-hmm. approach, that, that you're going to think bigger than yes, that. Yes, I think that's what has happened. And I think that has carried over from seeing the way that I built my store and what I did with Semblance. People kind of know my vision and kind of the way that I work. So it's transitioned into Hatch and the way I do um, websites and graphic design. Did you know you wanted to get into business or entrepreneurship uh-huh. when you were a kid? Yes. Like my, that felt um, pretty natural then. Yes. I had a, I grew up on a farm and I have these childhood memories of playing in the shop, like having my own store in okay. the shop. So yes, I always knew that I kind of wanted to have my own business. Did the move from Canyon to Austin kind of open up that idea space for you? Yes. You know, you'll, you'll see a lot more types of businesses in mm-hmm. a larger city than you might living on a farm. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think Austin is a community of, it's very supportive of small business. And I think with, at the time it was growing so quickly, Austin now is so different than how it was when I was growing yeah. up there. Um, and so it was kind of this culture there of supporting their small businesses. So I feel like that really was ingrained in me as I was growing up there. Have you ever run into any hurdles, whether they were self-imposed or <laughs> or cultural, being a woman in business oh. and you know being in charge, running your own stuff? Absolutely, especially here. You definitely get those comments from people from you know from other men in business that might you know if you go to some kind of business. I remember going to a networking meeting when I first opened Semblance and I was really young when I opened Semblance. So I'll own it. I'll own that. Well, but, I figure you're pretty young right now. And that was <laughs> yes. eight, nine years ago. Yes. So, so um, just being the way that they kind of talk to you and the way that they, I remember being at this meeting and they were like, you know, Oh, you little girl, you're opening a store. Like that's so cute. And you're like, this is not cute. Mm-hmm. This is my business and I'm invested and I'm not playing. <laughs> like, So there's certainly a tone here. And I find that sometimes female business owners aren't taken as seriously as men or they're spoken to differently mm. as they would a man. There have been times where my husband has stepped in and gotten something fixed a lot quicker than I did. And man, that infuriates me yeah. when that happens. Like working with uh, plumbing or ele- yes, any, electrical yes. or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So I, I do think it has gotten better in my time here from when I first opened Semblance to now, but I still do feel that here in our community. Is Does it play a role in your design business? I mean, I, I can see a world where, let's say you have a, a good old boy who thinks doesn't love the idea of a, a, a young girl in business, mm-hmm. but if you are going to be in business, I guess a women's fashion boutique is where you <laughs> ought to be. Yes. Uh, but graphic design is different, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's not just for a narrow slice of the city. Yes. You know, it's for everybody. But you just made me think, I don't really have any male clients. Really? I have um, Pete's Greenhouse is a husband and wife team. Right. And I, so 
he is probably the only male client I interact with, but the majority of my clients are all female. Is that a niche that kind of I guess has it is. developed organically? Um, I think so. I think when I started, I really wanted to work with creative small business owners. So I think that has ended up. <laughs> Do those tend to be more, more female centric? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Interior designers, stay at home moms. Hmm. Like I've worked with some, a lot of mothers. So what does I that don't... tell you about Amarillo? Anything? That we're growing. Okay. That our female business owners are growing. So that's exciting. That is exciting. But yeah, you're making me reflect on. Well, who n- I'm. now there's some self discovery. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about how you, um, you know, obviously your, your design business is still relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you think about that? Um, as you look to expand it or grow it or even mm-hmm. sustain it. Cause yes. I know that you, you've got, um, you're, you're a mom, you're mm-hmm. probably having to deal with the same family demands that you know, that everybody, every young parent deals with. Yes. Right now I'm trying to navigate hiring and adding okay. to our team and making that commitment. Um, it was something when I closed my store, I had employees. And so not having employees was really freeing. But now that I've been doing this for a few years without employees, I'm like, okay, it's, about time. It's about time to start adding people. Um, so I think about growth a lot like that. I think about the ever changing world of online and social media mm-hmm. and, um, staying on top of trends and not, you know, not losing sight of what's constantly changing and then hiring out more people to help with growth. Because right now I do have one employee that helps me part-time, but we definitely are on the track to grow right now. And design is a very subjective thing. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that as a designer who has their own style, mm-hmm. definitely your own opinion, Yes, um, but you're also hiring somebody to represent mm-hmm. your business? I mean, yes. is, is that a challenge? It has been, um, but I feel like I have been able, to, the employee I have right now, I've been able to really train. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty, while it's subjective for each brand, you can create a brand board, right. color palette fonts, everything that you kind of stick to. Once you create that, it's kind of simple to carry that through everything that you do. And I think most designers have a good designer eye to know, you know, what to do and what not to do. But also you want to give people the freedom to be creative. Right. And so it's kind of a middle, you know, a balancing act. So we've talked a little bit about how you see Amarillo growing, Mm -hmm. uh, how you see more uh, female-owned businesses, how maybe the fashion and the design are getting better mm-hmm. or at least a little bit more progressive. Yes. You know, you've now lived here for, for eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Do you see that continuing? Do you, do you see do. us continuing to maybe catch up to places like Austin? I do. And I think, you know, there's new restaurants and things opening, and I think it's very exciting. I think there's a lot of neat things happening in the city right now, and I'm excited to see where we go from here. Hey, Amarillo is also sponsored this week by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist for at least 25 years, and he's my kid's dentist too. He's a national speaker on Invisalign and uses that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning, including my son, Owen, who is just finishing up a stint in these liners. Owen loves that they don't look like traditional wire and bracket braces. They don't hurt when he gets knocked around playing basketball. Um, that's good. It's, it's been a good experience for him. And we're lucky to have Dr. Sauer's knowledge and expertise here in Amarillo. 
You can follow Shimon Dental on Facebook to learn more or visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Okay, I'm back with Robin Bilson. Robin, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes an exhibit about how Native Americans used at least eight different parts of the buffalo. From the hide to the intestines, which I know you know all about as somebody in fashion. Um, (laughs) uh, Learn more about that at panhandleplains.org. Okay, Robin, uh, eight straight. I'm going to ask you questions, similar questions to those that I ask almost every guest. You can answer in as much detail as you want to. Um, I'll start with the first one, and I've been asking this just in recent months. What's one thing 2020 has revealed to you about local people? Okay. So... For me, everything changed in 2020, mm-hmm. and it really showed us, showed me how much we can support each other. Okay. Um, I found myself taking Zoom calls and having kids screaming in the background of both calls. Right. And client I, and at yes, your house. Yes, both ways. And it just worked, and we made it work. We still launched websites despite all of the changes and despite having no childcare. And I feel like 2020 made me feel much more connected to the people that I work with because I felt like we were all going through these changes. And then, you know, just to add to that, seeing Amarillo, the Amarillo community support the businesses during, you know, while businesses closed, some of my clients had to close their businesses yeah. for a month and a half and they pulled through for them. So it was really neat to just see this, everybody come together to support our local businesses. And a lot of those had to make some pretty big like mm-hmm. shifts in how they dealt with customers. I, I know a lot of that was web-based. I mean, did you Absolutely. end up with a lot on your plate trying to yes. build out some some e-commerce? I or? tried to like I I tried to tell some people to just hold it for a second versus going frantic, mm-hmm. let's get this website put up, you know, to take some time and figure out how how to align and pivot. One of my clients, though, um, Mosaic Beauty Studios, she had to close. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, we had kind of been in the process of getting her website, getting the shopping site of her website launched. And so, yeah, she was one that we put together pretty quickly. Um, but I think a lot of people have really strong in-store relationships with their customers here. So I didn't feel like everybody had this huge rush of like, let's get our stuff online right now. Um, but it was more of a rush of how do we pivot to go on social and show people what's happening in the store, right. that we're still here, we're still selling. Don't forget about us. Don't forget. And to be authentic in the moment of everything that's happening. I saw this funny meme on Instagram, and it was like the world was on fire, and it had this designer saying, anybody need a new logo? <laughs> <laughs> And I, you never want to be that person in retail either, in the retail landscape, where it just seems like everybody is hurting from 2020, and then you're here still trying to sell something. Right. So it's finding an authentic way to show your services and your goods. And I think people in our community just really supported, and people pulled through. And I feel like I came out of 2020 with much stronger relationships than I had going in. Were you working from home already when the pandemic hit? Or I worked that... from home, and then I also I'll work at certain clients' offices, okay. and coffee shops. Okay, so I didn't know how much that may have just changed your workflow. I Absolutely, mean... yes. And having school clothes and having kids at home, yeah. it just kind of changed everything. Okay. <laughs> 
What does this area have too much of? I think we have too much of this mentality that we need things that we don't have, and the reality is that we have them. Okay. What are some of those things? I always see people online asking for a Trader Joe's right. or a Cheesecake Factory. Panera Bread. As, oh, I'm so excited about Panera, though. Like, you know, I'll say that, but on one hand, I am very excited about Panera. Um, but we have amazing local restaurants and stores. And I think that um, we have too many people asking for that versus supporting what we already have here. Okay. <laughs> I I think that totally makes sense. And I, I understand the complaint side of that. And I, I understand the desire side of mm-hmm. that, you know, because people travel to Dallas so mm-hmm. that they can go to places mm-hmm. like that. And maybe it would be nicer if we just had them here. Absolutely. You know? But I think you can still get a really great meal at Crush downtown. Exactly. And it's very similar to kind of what you're already, what you're asking for. And I think if we supported more we could get our local, we could get some more people locally to invest in opening more similar to what we're asking for. Okay. What does this area not have enough of? I don't think we have enough green space and family oriented things to do. Okay. I'm a mom of Comparing two children. Comparing that to Austin, I imagine. Right? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I find that we are constantly at the same park. We're constantly at the same restaurant. And I'm always like, oh, I just want more, more outdoor things to do, more places to go run and play, things like that. Okay. Yeah. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? What's really funny is I haven't had to describe Amarillo to that many people really? outside of the area. Even friends from Austin who are asking where are you now? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> I think in the the shortest version of that answer is we're in the square of Texas is usually yeah. what happens. Okay. I'll be on a Zoom call with somebody. I was on a Zoom call with somebody from Canada a couple weeks ago and they asked and I just said, we're in the square of Texas. <laughs> um, but I will say we're a small city, but we're a big, small city. It's kind of how we feel. Do you have any clients outside this area? I, I mean, have a lot of clients okay, outside of this Okay, because obviously area. as a designer, you don't have to be in the same city as your yes. clients anymore. And I really like that. It's kind of, um, it's fun to learn about different cities and trends. I launched, I launched a website in 2020 for a woman out of LA, Dallas, and San Antonio. Okay, so. cool. <laughs> What's your favorite Amarillo coffee shop? Palace. You Specific can usually, one? downtown, a, okay. you can usually find me there most mornings. <laughs> and it, it, is that a conducive place for you to do your work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really like it there. I like the environment. I miss, you know, being maskless in a coffee shop, chatting it up with people. Um, I was so happy that they were able to reopen safely. Yeah. And um, we're getting there. But yeah, you don't realize how much of a hub... That palace is Absolutely. for the downtown community, maybe the creative community or, or uh-huh. whatever. But like I sometimes I'll just remember, yeah, I knew that every time I stopped in to get coffee, it would take longer because mm-hmm. I would know somebody there. Absolutely. Yes, I'm, I do. And that's it's like I like working out a palace for that reason. And I feel like it's invigorating and the energy is really great. But then sometimes I do start talking too much and I get no work done. Yeah. So it's a balance. Okay. <laughs> What's the most underrated aspect of living here? I think it's our our sense of um, community here. I don't think people realize how tight-knit Amarillo is. Okay. And for being here for such a short amount of time, I feel like we have such strong relationships that are so valuable. And I do think that we, 
I did not have um, those relationships in Austin. Okay. So I think something about our panhandle community, we're all really close. Do you think that's... We have to lean on each other a lot. Okay. I was going to say, do you think that's more the people who live here? Or is it more Mm -hmm. a function of like the size of the area that you can't get lost quite as easily Mm -hmm. as you can in a, a city of a million people? Yeah, I think it's both. I think both of that. Okay. <laughs> when was the last time you went to Paladuro Canyon? It has been a couple of years. Okay. We kept trying to go pre-COVID, and then it shut down. Okay. And then we tried to go. We actually tried to go a few weeks ago, but it was so cold outside. All right. But I do. I love that we have access to that. Was it a part of your childhood living in Canyon? Kind of. Okay. In a sense. We would go there. Um, like we'd go see Texas, but okay. my family wouldn't spend that much time at the Canyon. All right. What's your favorite Amarillo restaurant? Hmm. I think Six Car. Okay. There's so many to choose from, um, but we spend a lot of time outside at Six Car. Yeah, they've they've got a great patio area. Mm-hmm. It's perfect for families. How do you feel about you know that that arrival of of Six Car and Crush a couple of years ago downtown? Mm-hmm. Um, felt real exciting and new for everybody. Yes. And, you know, we're like, oh, it's going to become a thriving downtown area. This is the <laughs> hub. You know, now we're a couple of years past it. We're, they've figured it out during a pandemic. I mean, do you still feel that same kind of excitement about the area? I feel like it has slowed down a little bit from when it first opened. And I don't know if that is also 2020, that they can't do events and such right. like they used to. So I think it will pick up as we start getting out of COVID. <laughs> Um, but I do think people are, are still excited to be there. I know that we personally spend a lot of time there and we, I just love that restaurant Okay. and that fried chicken sandwich. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Robin, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing, uh, an experience, whatever that you would like listeners to know about? I think if anybody listening has not been out to From Six Collective since they opened, I encourage anybody to go out there. My my friend Casey Tam opened out there probably also a November. Also podcast guest. Yes. And Casey is incredibly creative, and she's just curated this selection of amazing local vendors and restaurants. And it's kind of – it's we're really lucky to have something like that here. And so I hope people go out and check it out because I think it's just the coolest place. Do you have any involvement with the design I do not. I did Casey's logo a few years ago, and she has another graphic designer that works for her who is amazing. Mm -hmm. So Kat does a lot of that, and she is so good. Um, But I definitely love going out there and shopping. Okay. (laughs) Good. Well, Robin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Robin for the original interview. You can learn more about her work at Hatched Studio. That's Hatched.studio. You can also follow Hatched.studio on Instagram to see some of that. Thanks also to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum, Lazy Boy of Amarillo, and Shim and Dental for sponsoring the show. This episode, like all episodes, was edited by Angelina Marie. And this podcast exists every week because of listeners like you. So thank you for listening to it. I really do appreciate it. I also appreciate the local people who sponsor it, support it financially through patreon.com slash Hamarillo. Hamarillo's executive producers include Barbara and Jim Witten, Chris Elda, Patrick Burns, Josh Wood, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Jess Heredia, Joshua Rafe, and Ryan Pennington. This has been episode 181. My name is Jason Boyette. 
and I'll see you next week.